board. Okay, guys, so we at the bottom of Chavzayin Amud Aleph. We just said in the story of Rav, how, um, how Rav Ikla Lebei, uh, Lebei Geniva. And, and basically he did three things we saw. He, uh, he davened this, he, he davened before his, behind his rabbi, he, um, and Rav davened Mariv on Erev Shabbos on Friday before Shabbos came in. And uh, also, you, uh, so we learned that a, a student can daven behind his rabbi. And also, we saw that uh, he, Rav waited and didn't take steps back and walk back to his seat because it would have interrupted his students davening. Okay, so we saw, we saw that um, you're allowed to um, walk uh, away, fo'amot, away from somebody. It's only within fo'amot, within two meters of the person that you shouldn't walk in front of. That's according to one opinion. Um, others say even then, since it's got to do with your vision and distraction, then you shouldn't even, you shouldn't walk in front of somebody at all while they're diving Amida, unless there's a separation between the two of you. Okay, so now we're going to go into this concept of davening behind your rabbi. So what is the problem, what would the problem be of, uh, of davening behind your rabbi? So one issue is there some type of haughtiness involved. That would definitely apply if you're davening next to your rabbi. And when we talk about rabbi here, we mean like your main rabbi who you've learned most of your Torah from, or somebody who is one of the great Torah leaders of the generation, even if he's not your rabbi. Um, uh, but a regular rabbi who is, you know, a, a rabbi, but he's not your rabbi, then uh, you are allowed to dive in, uh, behind him or near him. Um, okay. Um, and uh, and the other, the, another possibility, so possibility of an issue could be haughtiness, but um, another issue could be... Um, that when you bow down in davening, since he's your rabbi and he's in front of you, um, it looks as if you're kind of worshipping him. Like they had a havamina that you would be worshipping your rabbi, and you could think that's ridiculous, but look how we worship people much lesser uh, than rabbis, like uh, soccer players or Hollywood uh, actors. Some of us know them personally. Um, uh, and. Uh, and another possible issue could be that you shouldn't dive in behind your rabbi because it gives him like a tircha, it, it disturbs him because he can't take steps back and walk back to his seat because he's going to go in your line. Um, okay, but we saw according to this that Rabbi Yirmiya did dive in behind Rav, behind Rav who seems to be his rabbi. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yirmiya, how could Rabbi Yirmiya dive in behind his rabbi? Uh, a person should never uh, not in line with his rabbi and not in behind his rabbi so you shouldn't do that but another brighter says Rabbi Eliezer Oimer a person that davens behind his rabbi or greets his rabbi in a in a in a friendly way that doesn't show uh, covered honor, respect, um, or who responds to a, a greeting from his rabbi in a in a not respectful way, uh, or not enough not enough of a respectful way, or he 
he argues on the, on the seat of his rabbi. That doesn't mean you can't argue with the rabbi. It means that either he sets up a Beit Midrash um, without asking his rabbi's permission, like he sets up an opposition yeshiva, or um, he uh, argues with the authority of his rabbi. Or somebody who says a matter with, uh, that he didn't, um, or he says something that he didn't hear from his rabbi. Now, what's wrong with saying something you didn't hear from your rabbi? It depends. If you, it means that if you normally quote your rabbi all the time, then if you say something that isn't said by him, you must say it. You must say who it was named in front, uh, who, who actually said it. So that uh, if it's, if it's, you know, so that people can uh, put it to the right source and it, so it doesn't cause, cause embarrassment to your rabbi. Or another opinion explains that you, you like said something and you just n- said it in the name of your rabbi, but your rabbi didn't actually say it. Um, what happens? It causes the shechina, it causes the presence of Hashem to be removed from Israel. And just on the top of my head, an explanation could be why it's so bad, is one of the ways how to make sure that Hashem's shechina is with us and the strength of the Torah is with us has got to do with honoring the Torah authorities. And the greater you honor them and respect them, the more you're willing to learn from them and the greater your Torah is. Um, and therefore, if you don't show your rabbi's honor, then it's very destructive to the Shechina settling in, in, amongst Israel in that area. So, but what do you see here? You see that you're not allowed to dive in, in front of, behind your rabbi, and yet Rabbi Yirmiyah did. So, you know, we learned that you're allowed to, but we got a brighter that says you're not allowed to. So the Gemara says, Shani Rabbi Yirmiyah bar Abba, the Talmud Chaver Haver. No, Rabbi Yirmiyah bar Abba was actually not a student of Rav Oni, he was a Talmud Chaver, he was a student and a colleague. He was, he was a student, but he became a colleague, a Chaver of Rav, and therefore he had a right to daven behind Rav, because he was, in a certain extent, uh, to a certain extent, a colleague. And we see from a story how we, the language Rabbi Yirmiya Bar Abba uses in reference to Rav, he, Rabbi Yirmiya Bar Abba said to Rav, Le Rav, Mi Badalt, did you separate uh, from Chol and, and meaning did you, not, did you start keeping Shabbos? When you davened early, did you separate yourself from Malacha? Did you take on to keep Shabbos? Amalei in, he said, yes, Bedilna, I did separate. And what shows the relationship between the two in that story? Velo Amar Mi Badilmar. He didn't say to Rav, did master separate? He said to him directly, did you separate? And the fact that he calls him, talks to him directly means he was, a, to a certain extent, a colleague of Rav. Um, and therefore, he was allowed to daven behind Rav. Umib, now, that's, that's the discussion of standing behind, of davening behind your Rav. But now we're going to go into the other, into like a, a connected piece. Um, that runs with the piece that we just read, but it also is connected to this concept of bringing in Shabbos early on a Friday. Umi Badil, did Rav really bring in Shabbos when he davened early? And this is a, quite a difficult concept to understand or to, to relate to, but it could be that even if you daven Mariv, it doesn't mean you bring in Shabbos, maybe it doesn't. 
And we'll see that even if you daven Mariv, while it's still daytime on Shabbos afternoon, it doesn't mean you bring out Shabbos. Um, you still have to keep Shabbos. So maybe he daven Mariv, but he didn't bring in Shabbos. So the Gemara asked, did, did Rav really separate himself from Malacha? So now, we're asking on Rebbe, did Rebbe, is it that when you bring in Shabbos early by davening that you, you don't do Malacha? So, uh, we said, Rebbe, did Rebbe daven Mariv on Shabbos, Be'erev Shabbos, on Friday afternoon, and he went to go to the bathhouse. See, we need to have a bath. And you don't bath on Shabbos. And then he went out. And he gave a shear. And it still wasn't dark yet. Just a side point is you see that he was giving a shear Erev Shabbos. You know, a time when you think it's too busy to learn or to teach. He was giving a shear Erev Shabbos. Um, so it seems like he went to the Merchats, to the bathhouse. And he and seemingly wasn't giving Shabbos then. But he had already done Marev. Amarova hahu denichnas lazia. No, he wasn't breaking Shabbos. He went into the bathhouse to sweat, to get a bit of a spritz. And this was before the decree came that you're not even allowed to go into a bathhouse to sweat. This has got to do, and I think we, we see this in Gomorrah Brachas, and I think in Bracha Boys we mention it, that um, uh, there was a process of, uh, of outlawing bathing on Shabbos, um, because there's no necessarily malach involved besides heating up the water, which you don't have to do. Um, but it became a problem because people would bath and get others to burn uh, wood for them. And uh, it became such a problem and people kind of cheated the system um, that it became completely forbidden. And amongst Ashkenazim, for example, you could not even actually allowed to have a cold uh, bath on Shabbos. Okay, so it says like this. Um, any is this so? Um, so basically, what what you see from here is that he this, he he went into the bathhouse not to bath or not to do a malacha, but just to sweat a bit, and that's not a malacha. And this was before the decree came about that you weren't even allowed to go into sweat. Um, so it wasn't he did bring in Shabbos because going into sweat wasn't a malacha. Ini is the so by so is it so that you when you daven on a Friday you bring in Shabbos, but didn't didn't a buyer allow Ravdimi Barliva to sulfurate baskets, some type of malacha to to colour a basket, which is a malacha, gumura to proper isodorite on Shabbos, um, and yet he brought in Shabbos by davening, and then Rav Abai allowed him to do malacha. So he says, No, that was a mistake. He brought in Shabbos early by mistake. And that's why um, Abai allowed him to do malacha because it was a mistaken acceptance of Shabbos. Maybe it was cloudy and he thought it was already dark and then the sun came out, as we'll see in the story. And by, by a mistake, you go back. Didn't Avidan say, um, the one time the 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 sky became full of clouds 
Um, and the people thought it was dark already, which meant that Shabbos had come in. And everybody went into the shul. Sorry, it's not. This was on Shabbos afternoon. And they started davening Mariv on Shabbos afternoon. And then suddenly the, the, the clouds dissipated, dispersed, and the sun came out. And they came and asked Rebbe, and Rebbe said, Once you've daven Mariv, you've already daven Mariv. So you can't break Shabbos, but you don't have to daven Mariv again. So you see there that they made a mistake, and what they did countered even though they made a mistake. So why in the case uh, above, where, uh, where it was, um, who was it? Um... um Rava said, no, he went, uh, sorry, the next case, Abaya allowing Rav Dimi Bar Liva to sulfurate these baskets, so he took it by mistake. So nevertheless, once you do something by mistake, it, you should still stop, you, your marif still counted as a marif, and you should be bringing in Shabbos. So based on this story, that said the Jews, they thought that Shabbos was out, they daven marif, and yet they don't have to daven again. You would think if you made a mistake, it doesn't count. So the Gemara makes a chiluk. Shani tzibur de lot tarchinen lehu. No, a community is different because um, we don't want to bother the community to all come back and daven mariv. But uh, and therefore you don't have to repeat mariv. You've davened. But when it came to a single individual, where it wouldn't be such a bother for him to daven mariv again, um, therefore then he can uproot that acceptance of Shabbos and uh, and daven mariv again because it's a yachid. So basically, what we see from these stories is that um, if you bring in Shabbos or you do something or you bring out Shabbos, so to speak, by mistake, um, as a yachid, so you, you, don't have to da- uh, you do have to daven again, but if you do it as a tzibur, you don't have to daven again. And we see here that you not, once you do bring in Shabbos by davening Marev, you're not allowed to do malacha afterwards. And that's the main crux of this, uh, of this uh, Gomorrah. Now, a little bit more about bringing in Shabbos early. Rav Shabbat Shabbat. Rav Davin Shabbos, Mariv of Shabbos on Friday afternoon. Rabbi Yoshia would Davin Mariv of Saturday night on Shabbos itself, right after Plaga Mincha. Remember, we saw Machloket Chachamim and Rabbi Yudah. Can you Davin? Mariv after Plaga Mincha and Mincha before Plaga Mincha. So these two opinions obviously thought you can, held you can. And even so, Rabbi Yoshia davened on Shabbos afternoon after Plaga Mincha, he davened Mariv, but he didn't take out Shabbos then. Rav Talisha Shabbos, very Shabbos. And this that Rav davened Mariv on a Friday afternoon. Oime Kedusha Lakos or Eno Omer Kedusha Lakos. This that he davened Mariv. It's all very well fulfilling the mitzvah derabonin of davening. But Kiddush is a mitzvah deraita on a Friday night of Zachor et Yom HaShabbos Lekacha to remember Shabbos. So you can do the rabbonin earlier, but maybe you have to wait till proper Shabbos to do Kiddush to actually halachically bring in the day. So uh, can you do Kiddush early? So the Gemara says, Tashma, come in here and the Amar of Nachman Amashmu, Mitpala Adam Shal Shabbat Be'er Shabbos. You can daven Mariv early. 
And once you've brought in Shabbos early, you're allowed to bring in Shabbos early even by saying Kiddush on a cup of wine. And this is something that we do, uh, especially as I explained yesterday, I think in the Northern Hemisphere, where Shabbos comes in very late. So what they do, it's called early Shabbos, um, you daven mincha before plaga mincha, mariv after plaga mincha, and you bring in Shabbos, and even you can even finish your meal, your Shabbos meal before tzeit, before shkia, before sunset, because once you've brought in Shabbos and you've added on to the holiness of the day, it's Shabbos lochol davar, basically to you. Other people don't have to bring it in, but because you brought it in, it counts. Um, and you just have to remember to say shema of mariv after nightfall. Okay. Rabbi Yoshia matzale shomotze Shabbos b'Shabbos. Rabbi Yoshia would daven um, on Shabbos afternoon. He daven Mariv of Saturday night. Omer havdala lakos or Eino Omer havdala lakos. This is a fascinating question. Can you in after you've daven Mariv on of of Shabbos Saturday night, um, but it's still Shabbos. Can you do havdala on a cup of wine or not? Now, what's your havamina? Why would you be able to remember? Now, there's no malacha in saying Havdalah on a cup of wine, because you, in this Havdalah you wouldn't do Ala'ish, you wouldn't do a Bruch on the fire, because that's a Malacha, and Shabbos isn't out yet, so you have to keep Shabbos. The question would be, what if you are straight after Shabbos? You need to go to the airport, because you're flying on Elal to Israel, or in the case of the Gomorrah, you were waiting by the edge of the of the Tukhum, of the halakhic area where you're allowed to go out and straight after Shabbos you would have gone and you don't know if you're going to get wine on the plane to do Avdallah, right? So there you do Avdallah on the course, you fulfill the mitzvah of Avdallah, but you only take out Shabbos later. Meaning it could be that Avdallah on a cup of wine can be done before the end of Shabbos, just like Kiddush on a Friday night can be brought earlier. Um, so the Gemara mm-hmm. says, Tashma, come in here. The Amar, Rav Yudama Shmuel, Mitpalo Adam Shomotzi Shabbos Shabbos. You can daven Mariv of a Saturday night on Shabbos afternoon. Oimer Havdala ala kos. And after that, you can do Havdala on a cup of wine. And it, the, it, you shouldn't do it. And you should only do it in very pressing situations. But nevertheless, if you did do it before Shabbos was out, it doesn't mean you can break Shabbos. It just means that you fulfilled the mitzvah of Havdalah. Amar Rabbi Zaira, Amar Rabbi Yassi, Amar Rabbi Lozab, Amar Rabbi Chanina, Amar Rav Betzad. So now we see a couple stories of where this actually happened. People are made, people testified that they actually saw certain things being done. Amar Rav Betzad Amudzehit Palo Rabbi Shmuel. On the side of this pillar, I saw Rabbi Yishmael by Rabbi Yossi shall Shabbos by Erev Shabbos. I saw him daven on a Friday afternoon, the Mariv for Shabbos. I saw it with my own eyes. Ki ata Ula amar betzad tamara have. When Ula came, he said it was actually from, uh, so he came from Eretz Yisrael. He said, no, the story was actually on the side of, uh, not an, an amud, not a pillar, but a date palm. Velo betzad amud have. And it wasn't next to a pillar. And you're getting mixed up with who what was. It wasn't Rabbi Yishmael but Rabbi Yossi. Ela Rabbi Lazar but Rabbi Yossi. It was Rabbi Lazar, the son of Rabbi Yossi. And it wasn't Erev Shabbos. 
it was on a Shabbos afternoon that Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Lazar, sorry, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yossi, davened an early Mariv um, and didn't wait till Saturday night. Okay, so that little sugya discussed something very practical, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, and there are shuls that offer, there are certain people that do it even in South Africa in the summer. Uh, for example, like we could do it at camp, um, where you bring in Shabbos earlier. And the question is, can you do Kiddush earlier? Yes. Um, and it's, you bring in Shabbos, but, and you can even do it on a Saturday night before Shabbos is out in very extenuating circumstances, but you can't break Shabbos. Okay, now, remember the Mishnah said that Mariv does not have a keva. It doesn't have a fixed time. And, and we learned from that you can daven the whole night. But the Gemara asks, that's a strange way of saying it. My love, my ain la keva, what does it mean that Mariv doesn't have a, a, a set structure? Um, if you want to say that it means that you can daven Mariv the whole night, then rather teach it clearer and say that you can daven Mariv all night. There's no end point except for Shkian, uh, sorry, sunrise. Keva. What does it want to teach us by saying it doesn't have a a keva, something uh, a, 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 a like a keva means a um, like a something fixed to it. It doesn't. It's not fixed. Command Amar, as we said, Tfilat Arvit Rashut. It's to teach us an additional halacha that Mariv is optional, and that's what the language says. Ain la keva means you can you can daven it the whole night, um, and you don't. It's optional to daven it. Now we'll see. It's not halachically optional today, but this was a machloket that was held. The Amar of Yudama Shmuel, Tzvilat Arvid, when it comes to davening Mariv, Rabban Gamliel Oymer Choyva, Rabban Gamliel says it's obligatory. Rabbi Yishu Oymer Rishut, Rabbi Yishu says it's voluntary. Amar Abaya, Halacha Kedivaraya Oymer Choyva, Rabbi Abaya says the halacha is that, like Rabban Gamliel, that it's obligatory. Barova Amar, Halacha Kedivaraya Oymer Rishut. And Rova argues and says, no, the halacha is it's voluntary. And how do we paskin? We actually paskin it is voluntary. Nevertheless, because we've practiced it for generations and generations that we've taken it on, it is something now not voluntary but, op- op- but uh, obligatory. But nevertheless, remember we discussed in Brocha Boys, um, it is something that has remnants that it's that of that op that this that's an option because there's no repetition of the amida at mariv whereas there is a repetition for those that who can't daven for shachrit and mincha okay now we're going to uh, start uh, 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 one of the most famous stories in shas and we spent quite a bit of time in brocha boys on this um, about the Machloket, Raman Gamla and Rabbi Shua regarding whether Mariv is optional or obligatory. Tanarabon and the Rabbis taught Maseh B'Tamid Echad it happened with one student Shebalifnei Rabbi Yeshua that came before Rabbi Yeshua. Now Reb, remember, Rabbi Yeshua held that Mariv is optional. Amalei Tzvilat Arvid Rishut He, The student asked Rabbi Yeshua is Mariv optional or, or obligatory? Amar lay Rashut. He answered it's voluntary. The same student came before Rabban Gamliel, who was the Nasi, who was the head of the Sanhedrin and the ultimate leader of Am Yisrael. And he asked him the same question. Is it, uh, is Mariv voluntary obligatory? No, it's obligatory. 
And then unfortunately he said the words, you know, you say it's obligatory, but Rabbi Yeshua actually told me it's voluntary. And this did not please Rabbi Gamliel, um, uh, because Rabbi Gamliel was the Nasi. And to my knowledge, Rabbi Yeshua, I think, was the Av Baitin, uh, the head of the Baitin. Um, uh, but the, the Nasi was in a higher position to that of the Baitin. Now, just to explain the context of the story, and that is that after the destruction, during the, during the Roman siege of Jerusalem in the Second Temple, um, it was, uh, there, was, uh, there was an amazing move by uh, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, um, uh, who basically, he went out to, um, he went out to the Vespasian, and this is a Gomorrah Gittin, and he, uh, he, neg- he asked him to, that, he, you know, uh, he asked him if the, if the Romans would please give them Yavne v'chachamea, would allow the Jews to resettle in Yavne and build up the Sanhedrin there, and to keep the line of the Nasim of the kingship going from Ebuda Nasi um, and, uh, and from Hillel, and he gave them that request, and once though they built, they started in Yavne, they, they basically focused on salvaging and helping the Jewish people who were decimated from the destruction of the, the Roman destruction of the temple and Jerusalem and, and Israel. Um, and then uh, eventually they started dealing with Torah and Psakalacha. And, and Rabbi Raman Gamliel knew that the Jewish people needed tremendous leadership in such a time of, of vulnerability. And therefore, you'll see from the story, even though it's very uh, fine to have arguments and it's something that is encouraged in Gomorrah learning and Torah, nevertheless, he was very afraid of people going against the authority of the, of the Nasi, of the, of the Sanhedrin, um, because he felt that if that, need, if they, if that leadership was, uh, was weakened, it could, it could cause more of a downfall for the Jewish people. And that's why you'll see, when it came to Rabbi Yeshua, he didn't just argue with Rabbi Yeshua, he actually kind of made a fool of Rabbi Yeshua to show him, to show the people that Halacha is like him, like the Nasi. And it wasn't because he was selfish or arrogant, God forbid, it was because he was actually upholding the rulership, the authority of the Nasiut. So here's the story. Um, after he hears that Rabbi Yeshua paskins differently to him, and he's telling people that, Amalai, he said to him, Let's wait and wait for the, the shield bearers, the Tomida Chachamim, to come into the Beit Midrash, and, uh, and then Raman Gamna will answer him. When the Tomida Chachamim came into the Beit Midrash, Ahmad, Ashol, the student, stood up and asked the question, Is um, Mariv optional or voluntary or obligatory? Amalei Rabban Gamliel. Rabban Gamliel said, Choiva, it's obligatory. Amalehem Rabban Gamliel lachachomim. Now Rabban Gamliel says to the sages who were all gathered in front of him, Klum yaish adam shecholek b'davaze. Is there anybody who argues? Now Rabban Gamliel knows Rabbi Yeshua argues. Amalei Rabbi Yeshua love. Rabbi Yeshua says, no, nobody argues. Now he didn't want to say, I argue. Because he knows Rabban Gamliel won't take that well. So he kind of said a white lie in order to, you know, to 
protect himself and to and to not create a scene. So he says, love, nobody argues, not everybody passes like you. It's obligatory. So Rabban Gamla says, but I heard in your name that you say it's voluntary. And you're busy telling me uh, you, don't, uh, you don't argue with me. Amalei, Yeshua, look what he calls him, Yeshua. He doesn't call him Rebbe Yeshua. He calls him by his first name, Yeshua. Amor Araglecha, stand on your leg. Ve'yaidubach, and testify on you. What is, what did you pasken? Amad Rebbe Yeshua, Araglav. Rebbe Yeshua stood up. Ve'amar, and said, In Malay Anichai, if I was living, if I wasn't living, if I was alive, or who might, and somebody else who I told the halacha to this Talmud, the student, uh, I was alive and he was dead. I could contradict him and say I didn't say it because he's dead. He can't argue with me. I'm alive. And the student's alive. How can the alive one contradict another alive one? The guy, the guy who I'd contradict will just say, no, I actually said to him, so I can't argue and you're right, I'm the one that said it was a uh, Rishut. So he says, Now Rebbe Gamliel is now giving the shear. And Rebbe Yeshua is still standing in front of him amongst everybody else. Like you make a kid stand up in class and then you continue a lesson. Which was quite disparaging to Rebbe Yeshua. Rebbe Yeshua, And Rebbe Yeshua was standing there on his legs until all the people there were complaining. And they said to Chutzpit, the translator, Amod, stop! They were outraged at how Rabban Gamliel could t- treat Rabbi Yeshua in such a way. Now what's this Chutzpit Amaturgaman? What happened was, is that how they worked in those days would be, there was a great rabbi who would say the shiur, and then you would have a person who would be like a microphone, and say the shiur loudly and explain it to the masses. So Chutzpit, the translator, they told him to stop speaking because it's, it's, uh, it's disparaging to Rabbi Yeshua. And Vamad, and he stopped. Amri and the people said, Ad how, how, we gonna, how can, we, until when is Rabban Gamil going to keep on giving uh, Rabbi Yeshua tzoros, like uh, disparaging him and, and uh, being, being cruel, so to speak, to him? Barosh Hashanah Eshtakad Tsarai. Last year's Rosh Hashanah, he, uh, he gave him Tsaras. Babachoirot, Bamasid, Rabbi Tzadok Tsarai. In another case of Rabbi Tzadok, in, uh, regarding the halachas of Bukharot, um, he, uh, he gave him Tsaras. So there were different stories. Um, um, the one regarding Rosh Hashanah was the famous story where um, uh, Rabbi Ramagamliel said that Yom Kippur was on a certain day and Rabbi Yeshua calculated differently and said it was on the, another day and Rabban Gamliel made Rabbi Yeshua come to Rabban Gamliel with his staff and I think his purse and show the people that he paskened like Rabban Gamliel um, and it was a tsaurus for Rabbi, Rabbi Yeshua he was made it was made a scene of him um, so Hakanami and so to hear Tsarai he's giving him tsaurus mm-hmm. by telling him to keep standing during the shir Ta'una Abrei um, let us go and move Rabban Gamliel from his post. Very hectic, because they had enough. Um, Who are we going to put in his place of Rabban Gamliel? The Nasi, the leader of the Jewish people. We can't put Rabbi Yeshua in that place. 
Baal Masehu, because he was the Baal Maseh. He's the one that uh, the story happened with between him and Raman Gamliel. And it would be not sensitive to put Rabbi Yeshua in the place of Raman Gamliel. So even though Raman Gamliel is wrong, uh, according to them, it would still be in, uh, distasteful to put Rabbi Yeshua there. Nukma and Rabbi Akiva. We could put Rabbi Akiva as the Nasi, as the head of the, the Sanhedrin. Uh, maybe Rabbi Akiva would be punished. Because Rabbi Akiva came from converts, and therefore he, when Rabbi Gamliel would naturally be upset with Rabbi Akiva and the whole situation, and consequently, even though Rabbi Akiva was a great person, somehow this, this anger would actually affect Rabbi Akiva spiritually, and the only thing that could protect him was the merit of his forefathers, but he didn't have merit of his forefathers because he, didn't come from, he came from non-Jews. Let's put Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah in this position to be the Nasi. To who Chacham? Because he's very wise, Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. Who Ashir? And obviously you have to be wise. And, you, and he's wealthy, which we'll see why it's so important. Who Asiri Ezra? And he comes from nobility and, uh, and a very powerful uh, Yichas. He's 10th generation from Ezra. The, the great leader of the Jewish people who brought back the Jews to Israel uh, um, after the destruction of the first temple. So why is it important? Hu chacham, he's wise, the imakshilei because in, a, in the Sanhedrin, if they bring him questions, he can answer the questions. Hu asher, why is it important that the Nasi is wealthy? The i itlei lefaluchai lebei kaiser, because if he wants to go to Caesar, afhu azalufalach, he can go to the Caesar and and he can use his money and use his nobility. And he also, you know, rich people know how to speak to rich people. And uh, because he's rich and aristocratic, and he, and he knows, you know, he comes from a sophisticated um, background, he would make, he would be able to talk to the upper echelons of Roman society to defend and protect the Jewish people. Asiri vehu asiri le Ezra, and this that he's 10th generation from Ezra, the itle schutavot. Um, and he won't be able to be punished from the animosity that Raman Gamliel would naturally feel in him, feel of him. Um, uh, okay, so we're going to end here, but uh, and the the story continues. But uh, the story continues with the Rebbe, when they go to ask Rebbe Lazar Nazareth to be the Nasi, and he was a, only a young man then. And this is the famous story of how he got uh, grey hair overnight to look a bit older. And we'll read about that story next week in Mitzvah Shem Tuesday. Um, 